right, we are back. It is the Sorry to Interrupt podcast with Tom and Sean. Name change. I already talked about that on the other one. Um, let's jump right in. How are you? The name you? sounds good, by the way. Yep. I'm logo I'm looks good. Logo looks crisp. Looks good. We don't. We don't have to tell anybody that we're Yankee boys anymore. It's great. I'm, I'm very ex- happy with it. The built-in explanation is already gone. Yep, exactly. And Feels we interrupt good, each other just like you're fucking doing right now That's all it. the time. Well, I mean, why don't I start off uh, the new name change with that, right? Exactly. So, yeah, I talked about it a little bit in the prelude, but we um, we did that before the Game 7, so we can jump into that a little bit. Um, you know... Uh, there was never any doubt. We never, ever wavered. <laughs> LeBron was going to go to the finals. Um, just an all-time performance. This whole this whole playoffs, all-time performance. Um, he's putting himself in the conversation to be better than Jordan. It's almost like I want to say he is. It's like sacrilege to say it, though. And I'm scared I'm going to get jumped by everybody. Uh, no, you can't get jumped by it, man. It's, 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 a, it's a legitimate conversation. I mean, he's Jordan, not six for six in the finals, but. I mean, come on. If I were to pull up this roster right now and Jordan's worst roster, which you could argue was in 1998 because Scottie Pippen had a bad back, Dennis Rodman was um, on on the tail end, kind of, you know, lost his mind a little bit there, and then the rest of the supporting cast, that's still better than this team at its absolute best this year. Still better. Oh, yeah. I mean, LeBron... Broken down Scottie Pippen, sorry to interrupt, <laughs> is is still better than anything that the Cavs had to offer, including Kevin Love. Listen, the 2007 Cavalier team that got swept by the Spurs, that team, you could make a case, was just as good as the team that he has right now, and that was a sorry team. LeBron James is talent-wise, up there in the top three. I mean, if you wanted to go just based off winning, I think you could make a very strong case that Bill Russell is the greatest basketball player oh, of, of all course. time. Oh, of course. Different time, different, different time, era. But you that's know. the thing. It's different eras and it's different teams. The people who don't like LeBron are going to say, oh, well, he he makes his own team, so it's up to – it's you know, it's his fault if they're not that good and it's, you know, he has to make them look better. But you know what? There's the somewhat of, of a day, valid argument because, you know – Everybody says, oh, he's the GM and all this bullshit, and that's not true. But two things. He, one, puts his team at a disadvantage because nobody knows what he's going to do, and it's a win-now scenario all the time, so they mortgage the future. And if you don't remember, when he after 2016, when they won that NBA Finals, he refused to sign with the Cavs until Chris, Tristan Thompson and J.R. Smith got li- locked into these horrible deals that are basically anchors at this point point weighing them down tremendously and that's the reason why the Cavs can't make these moves it's not because the Cavs don't have talent to make trades it's the fact that they don't have the cap room to do anything they're handcuffed completely because LeBron forced them to sign these guys LeBron is probably the best player of all time second best player of all time maybe the best player of all time maybe the worst GM of all. Yeah, time. and that's fine, but see to me those are that's going into more LeBron James character. I'm talking just from a strict basketball standpoint. Oh, absolutely. What he does on the floor and what he's done in this postseason with this team, whether it was his fault for organizing this team, whether it was the GMs, whether it was him hamstringing the organization at different times, all of which is valid. What he does on the court is undeniable. He went into Boston in a Game 7 where Boston hadn't lost a postseason game yet this year 
and manhandled that team. He blocked Rozier. He blocked Tatum. He was dunking and hitting jump shots and threes all over the place. It, he, when he knows he needs to win, there is nothing he can't do. And you look at just from a singular talent, he plays defense like one. Of, he's going to go down as one of the top five defensive players in the history of the NBA. He's going to go down as one of the top five passers in the history of the NBA. And when it's all said and done, he might be the leading scorer in the history of the NBA. And that's not even the best part of his game. So it's he's elevated himself to another strata because I understand he didn't have to go through the bad boy Pistons and he didn't have to go through. Um, you know the Larry Bird Celtics, or and he shit, he didn't even have to go through you know the New York Knicks of the of the early and mid nineties, but he, he didn't have a cakewalk, and the team's not great. But what he does on a nightly basis, I mean, look at what he did last night in Game One of the um, of the Finals. He put up fifty one eight and eight. I mean, without him. This team is probably not even a playoff team. It's a lottery team. It's probably a top five pick, you know. Um, and what's crazy is everybody always complained a few years ago, especially during the Heat years, that as that ESPN used to really kiss LeBron's ass. I feel like now it's it's and and a lot of people are saying this. LeBron isn't talked about enough, and you take everything that he does for granted. The guy's averaging like forty points a game in the playoffs, literally dragging his team, and he has done it for the last few years, dragging his team to the finals. Like it's you can't even put it into words. Like Jordan had one of the top twenty-five greatest players of all time and a second Hall of Famer on his team. In Dennis Rodman and Scottie Pippen, no, Scottie Pippen's one of the top twenty-five players of all time. Dennis Rodman is a Hall of Famer. All right, I was thinking, I was thinking more on sides of Scottie, but okay. But I, I mean, they're both Hall of Famers. All three of them are Hall of yeah. Famers. You can make an argument that Kyrie Irving maybe is a Hall of Famer, which LeBron only had for two NBA Finals, and Kevin Love at this point is borderline. Like it's not even close the skill between. Scottie Pippen and Kevin Love. Oh God, no! Not even close. You could make a case for Wade, though. You could make a case. No, between I'm, Wade I'm and not Pippen. talking about. I'm not talking about the Heat days. The Heat days, LeBron probably had. I mean, even Bosch was a Hall of Famer at the, probably if he retired tomorrow. You know, the guy's got I think ten All Stars, three, two championships. How many first team All NBAs? Uh, I think he's got two or three first team All NBA defenses as well. Great player on both sides of the basketball. It's a shame that the heart issue is what's holding him back from playing because I still think he's got a few good years left. But that's besides the point. I'm just talking about the past few years on the Cavs when LeBron put it together. Dennis Rodman might be better than Kevin Love still. You know, yeah. The guy is in the Hall of Fame. He, there's not. I no, I, I think what I was just trying to mention, yeah, I, and that was more my fault for the confusion. I really was just thinking along the lines of trying to take that second best player on the team. So you would compare then if you say K Love is the second best player on this team, Pippen was the second best player on those Bulls team. Houston in the game seven. I mean, they just didn't have enough gas. James Harden had a pretty good game. Um, I think he scored 32 points, but he also it also took him 29 shots to do it. And a lot of it was in garbage time. Too. Yeah, so he really didn't have a great game. No. Um, the only guy on the Rockets who I thought was really ready to go and looked like he, he wanted that game was Eric Gordon. He was going to the basket, doing a lot more than he usually does in the regular season where he's just a spot-up shooter. Um, 
you know, the Warriors just outclassed them and out-talented them, and I think they still would have done that with, you know, with Chris Paul. But the one thing I will say about the Rockets that they might have stood a chance was that Chris Paul would have taken more control of that game. The Rockets kept chucking and chucking and chucking, and it was not working. And I know it worked for them all year, but sometimes a good point guard will realize, I know it's worked all year, but it's not working today. I got to start actually formulating an offense here and trying to make some plays. And, you know, there was nobody to do that. So, you know, no. they, they, Chris Paul probably – they probably still would have lost, but I think it would have been a lot more competitive of a game. Yeah, I agree with you totally. I mean, I, I don't I don't think it's unfair to say that Paul would have given them a better chance to win if he was on the floor because, of course, he's one of the top point guards in the game. But I also don't think it's fair to say that he – that would have absolutely vaulted them to a Game 7 win because you're going up against a team that's been in the finals three consecutive years for now. Um but, you know, what I took away from that game, in addition to, you know, Harden not really coming up big in, the, in a big spot and, um, and Gordon showing a little extra aggressiveness, particularly in the absence of Paul, is, you know, their defense wasn't there. And the third quarter is, I mean, the Warriors have been doing that all series long. You know, they come out after... That's not, just bad coaching by D'Antoni, D'Antoni not being able to stop he, that. You know, he has... Or put a, you know, slow it down. He has a philosophy, and he has... He's gotten a little bit more on the side of defense, but he's still the Mike Antoni minus the D, because, you know, they just... They don't adjust to what other teams do, and they were trading twos for threes starting in midway through the third quarter. I mean, the Rockets had the lead at the end of the half, just like they did for several other of the games, but they don't come out with the same kind of aggression. It looks like the Warriors either A, wake up, or they adjust a lot better after the half. And they were trading twos for threes down the stretch. Harden was taking a lot of tough step step back threes, not hitting them, and they weren't getting back on defense. Warriors just like you said outclassed them, and I think that's a black mark on D'Antoni's record because he doesn't show that he can make the necessary adjustments when his style isn't working. And against a team like the Warriors, it doesn't matter which one of the big three years going who has it going on, but when they're all playing in cohesiveness together, I mean, there's there's nothing that can stop them, uh, particularly when you don't adjust to that to that game plan. You could see right like around the ten minute mark of the second of the second half, third quarter, that was just all that was going to be a runaway train, just like Game Six was. Yeah, no, it, it was over. I mean, there's not really much else to say about that. But I mean, Harden just I don't know what's wrong with him in the playoffs. Still a great player. He's definitely going to win the MVP this year, but he just hasn't figured it out. Maybe in a couple more years he'll get over that hump, one of those players where it takes him a long time to be whatever clutch or whatever you want to call it. But let's jump into game one. Um, That was an amazing game to watch, but a really tough game to watch. I kept watching it thinking, all right, like this is the – three-minute stretch where the Warriors pull away. This is it. And LeBron just wouldn't let it happen. And sure enough, you know, you got good old fucking J.R. Smith. Former Nick Great. Former Nick Great J.R. Smith. You know, the memes are wild today on social media. Um, There have been some good ones. Deservedly so. Just the fact that shouldn't happen in a high school junior varsity game, much less game one of the NBA fucking finals. 
look up at the scoreboard when George Hill's about to take a free throw. You got to know you got about four seconds left. Not only do you have LeBron wide open at the top of the key, or you know, or at the logo, he have a timeout. He had a fucking timeout. Yeah, this even wasn't I even a Chris Webber situation. No, yeah, he you pull the ball out and call timeout. This one's on Jr. and Tyron Lue. Tyron Lue should have tackled the ref and called timeout. Should have mugged the fucking guy. I don't care if you get suspended. You got to tackle the ref right there and call timeout. That is unbelievable because you know when you go to overtime, the game is basically over. LeBron's dead. You're not going to be able to do it. And you were lucky to be in that game with them. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if they get swept now. I I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know either way. But if they were going to get off to a good start in the series and they were going to have any chance of winning, you need to win that game as the Cavaliers. Even this morning when I woke up, I was like, damn, thinking in my head, I'm like, I can't believe the Cavaliers won because it felt like just being in that game that the Cavaliers won. And then you go and you look at the the score to double check and you're like, god damn, the Warriors, not even that they stole one. They, J.R. Smith lost that game. You gotta be. You, he should be cut. If there was a way to cut somebody <laughs> in the finals, he should be cut. That, Give Jordan Clarkson his minutes. Oh boy, I don't know if you want to do that, but there's no uh, else there. <laughs> but um, no, dude, I I totally agree with you. That was so bad. That You're was a professional so athlete. Bad, but that's where I'm saying like. I agree Ty Lue needs to have some accountability, but you know what? You're an NBA. This is not JR's first year in the league. This is not JR's first NBA finals. That, Like you said, that's JV high school bull crap. Why are you not calling – why are you not at least calling a timeout? That's the equivalent he, of me forgetting to wear like, pants to work. <laughs> it looked like he didn't know. It's like I forgot well, to wear he, pants today. They, what it came out was they were saying like, oh, he thought they were up. And it looked like that was the case. I mean, watching all the replays and all the post-game analysis, he it seemed. But then he shut that down, and it actually made him look worse because it's like, well, if you knew you were tied with four seconds left, you're trying to push it to overtime against doing? the, t- the well, best team in the league. Not trying to just put it into overtime. It's like you're conceding overtime. Like you're not you're not even putting forth an effort to get it into the best player on the court's hands in, in, at that point. And I couldn't agree with you more about, you know, the Warriors did not play their best game. That was a very even even game, and it was really LeBron um, taking over. Kevin Love had a, had a pretty representable performance as the second player. He had 21 and 13, a good double-double for him, but LeBron's 51 uh, is LeBron's 51. He's, he's incredible. You know, I, but, I really wouldn't be surprised if they weren't in any of these games because the Warriors are going to come out playing was, with house that money That was now. their chance. You they, know? They, took, they could have easily taken advantage of that. And um, now, you know, I expect the Warriors to win a pretty easily in game two. I wouldn't say a sweep yet because LeBron at home is something. I think just the way he's playing, you know, we didn't get an opportunity to predict this series before it started. Excuse me. But um, what I would say, I, I think it's going to be Warriors in six, but it's not going to be a close six-game series, if that makes sense. No, I... I, th- I, think, I, find a, I think LeBron. I think this game means a lot more than just one loss. I think it's demoralizing. It's really going to affect the team. I think that it's. I think that they're going to they're going to fold. I think it'll be five. I th- and I don't think. I think the one game. You know, maybe they'll take one in Cleveland, and the rest of the games won't even be close. To be honest, because you know that. That really hurts. Like I'm, I'm upset. I'm depressed, and I'm not even a Cavaliers fan. Oh, it, it was sucks. a horrible loss. It, it was a horrible it, loss. Yeah, it's just because it's like 
you get that game, you basically all you got to do is win in Cleveland now. All you got to do is win every game in Cleveland, and you're good. Yep, but I don't. I don't think they will. I, I I really do believe that this postseason has taught us anything. Obviously, with our horrible predictions and and our hey, we got it right in the end. <laughs> we got it right in the end. Uh, it took a long long way to get there, but. But no, I'm not going to discount LeBron. I I can see Golden State winning because Golden State looks a little vulnerable in this postseason. I don't know if they're missing a little something. Uh, I think in past years they could have blown past um, uh, Houston in that series. Yeah, but you know what? Even if they're vulnerable, they're still going to be the ones standing on top. Oh of the no, I agree with you. I just, just think it's going to be in four players. Six. Yeah, I mean, I I really don't. I don't. I don't see them. T- I had you. Had they won last night, I would have said this series is going to go six, maybe seven. But and you know, you even now, I'm I'm still in awe of that watching the entire game. Now, no, I don't. I think the Cavs are broken, really. Especially those, especially the the you know LeBron, whatever. But the supporting cast, they're. I know. I I just think that LeBron James, the way he's played in this postseason, is good, and it's all semantics because we we understand that Golden State will win, whether it's going to be four or five or six. I think we can both agree it will not go seven. Um, but you know, I, I just think that I want to give LeBron a little bit of a credit because I I really wanted to go Boston in Game Seven. We I couldn't do it, but uh, just with how good he's been, it, it's hard for me to believe that he's going to at this stage in his career go out in a sweep. Uh, or even in five. I think he finds a way to win two tough games. Golden State looks a little more vulnerable than they did last year. Um, I don't know what it is. Maybe they're a little tired. Maybe they're not fully healthy. Um, Durant doesn't seem to have the killer instinct that he did last finals. You know, last year I think it, he really wanted to prove that he was not just along for the ride. He wanted to really drive that bus to the win. He he hasn't been great the last few games. I don't know. I just think it's just the the way LeBron's playing right now. I think it goes six, and but I don't think it's a really competitive six, if that makes sense. It's one of those series where it's like three one. He just doesn't let them go. They win a game. Maybe Golden State doesn't have the most urgency in the game five, and then they close the door in game six when LeBron's totally shot. Well, looking forward to next game. I think that the Golden State Warriors are probably going to come out like crazy and just. It's going to be – you're going to look up at the scoreboard. It's going to be like 35 to 10, and they're just going to hit a million threes, come out nuts because they're going to realize that they almost lost that game. And if it wasn't for – one of the dumbest plays I've ever seen in my life happening, you know, that's almost Chris Webber bad, um, you know, then I think they're going to come out and they're going to be like, all right, well, you know, you're saying the rest won, um, you know – won that game with that joke or JR lost that game. We didn't win that game. All right, well, here's this, and they're going to go out and drop. You know, they're going to have a 40-point oh, no, first quarter. Yeah, I fully know? expect them to dominate game two. I, I, don't, I think there's going to be kind of that feeling. What was it? I think it was game – I think it was game, game five in Boston uh, where LeBron, you know, the, the Celtics were just taking it to him, and LeBron really let that – just was like, hey, you know what? Let's conserve some energy. We're not winning this one. Let's get back home, win a game there. I could see something like that happening. Yeah, I just I could see you know the numbers with Clay with like twenty seven, Steph and KD respectively with their you know thirty plus points, and then Draymond with a triple double. I could really see that. And the one thing I will say is in the overtime game, they should have pushed Draymond a little bit harder because if if you know. 
when Thompson shoved the ball in it, he should have thrown a punch after. Because if Draymond got thrown out of that game, this is a different series. It would have been it would have been really interesting to see um, if one of the if one of the lesser calves that were in there, you know, whether it be Larry Nance or whoever, just tried to they need a goon. provoke him. They need yeah, one of those guys yeah, to just they, go in and throw some bows. Yeah, and they really don't have those kind of guys no, in the NBA don't. anymore. But they they definitely needed a goon to just go in and provoke him. There was a, the guy on the Cavs. I don't remember if it was the year they won or last year, Damon Jones, where he would just go in for like a minute a game and just talk shit the yeah, whole time. Yeah, see, that'd time. be perfect. They need somebody like that. And I, I mean, maybe they'll dress Kendrick Perkins next time. <laughs> just maybe for that purpose. Yeah. You know what you could do is as they're getting blown out in game two, throw them in in garbage time and, yep. and let it, let them uh, throw Draymond around a little bit. Yeah, yeah no, I think, I think, uh, I think it goes six, but this is going to be a Warriors victory again. Last night was critical, but once again, Cavs game had, to game, if the Cavs had any possibility of winning any at all, they needed that game. They needed one in golden state and for whatever, 47 point, you know, nine, Three seconds, it really, really looked like they had it. It really did. But, you know, nothing you can do. The Warriors are just that much better, and that's just a testament to LeBron dragging this team and almost getting them to getting them to win that game. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think that the Warriors are going to come out and smoke them the next game, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, hopefully it's an interesting series, and then hopefully next year it's two different fucking teams in the finals. I'm getting tired <laughs> of it. Um but let's move on to baseball. Um, the Yankees, they're taking care of business right now, looking hot. Um, we're not the Yankee Clippers, but we we still are Yankee fans. We're still more New York driven. I mean, that's all of our teams for the most part. Yeah. But no, I mean, I even if you're just looking at the landscape of baseball, I mean, forget about any kind of fan allegiances. You know, the Yankees and Astros played again this week, and the Yanks took two of three. And they ended up taking five of seven in the ser- season series from the defending world champs. And that certainly is not indicative of what's going to happen in October if they will meet. But I tell you, it was a litmus test and it, and it was pretty, um, pretty uh, amazing with what they did because they've beaten some really good pitching. That Astros bullpen, for as good as that rotation is, is equally as bad. It's no, flammable. They're going to make some moves. The, in the, you in would the imagine deadline. so. You know, as the Yankees try to bolster their rotation, the Astros are going to try to bolster that bullpen. I mean, it's it's really bad. And you know, the Yankees won a game on Tuesday night where they committed five errors. I mean, if you want to find any kind of negatives, it's going to be you know those young kids for as good as they are. I mean, Glaber Torres made two errors himself, but then had the walk off hit and. And Duhar had the double to set up the, the walk-off, and he made an error. And, you know, it's just young kids doing what young kids do. Yeah, they're both going to – I mean, at some point, I don't know about Andahar, but I think Torres could probably be in the gold-glove candidate category. But they're just young, you know. Even some of the greatest fielders ever, they come up and they make a lot of errors. It's just jitters, and they're, they're well, not using their heads. you have to live with a young infield. I mean, it is what it is. This team looks great. Not to be too nitpicky, I would like another starter. We're watching the game right now as we speak. Sonny Gray had a had a decent game. And, you know, like I said on the last pod, and I'm not talking about it anymore, but after after this, Sonny Gray, I'm going to take it. Take every start with a grain of salt. One great start, thank you. One bad start, fuck you. Pretty much. <laughs> and that's fair. And this weekend, too, is another big test in the American League. Um, 
you got Boston down in Houston for a four-game set, and Houston won the first game last well, night. Um, Mookie just got put on the DL too. So. Uh, that's a tough shot for them. I yeah. mean, they're, they they have He's the offense. He's playing like an MVP this year, so I mean. They have, they the, have offense the offense to, to make to, up for that. They but. do, and there's some bad teams across the landscape of the American League, particularly in the AL East. Uh, Toronto's in a free fall. You wonder when they're going to call up uh, their top prospect, uh, Vlad Jr. Um, you know, the Rays are bad, and the Orioles are bad. So you're going you're gonna to get, you know, plenty of wins just based off of that division for both, for both the Yankees and the Red Sox. Taken into account right now in the American League, you know, you have your you have I think the Yankees Red Sox are obviously the class but Houston obviously is right there because of the a the division they play in and b uh, they're the defending champs uh, they're gonna turn it on they're gonna be the best team. for sure and you know some of their guys haven't gotten started yet uh, offensively uh, but it, it's we we're past Memorial Day now so we're two months into the season kind of starting to get a feel for what's going on Um and you know what was funny, and it caught your attention, I know, the other day, just kudos over to uh, Nathan Navaldi who came back from an injury and threw six no-hit innings. Yeah, Pretty you know, cool he to puts see in a few like more that. of those. They, they might be able to get a player to be named and, you know, so a couple more things. <laughs> Rep Snyder him. goes deep for them in that game, too. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> that was ridiculous. He was never going to play for the Yankees. Hell doesn't no. matter. Um, yeah, but... You know, the the Yankees are going to be looking to make a deal. The Dodgers look like shit right now, and Kershaw just got put back on the DL. Maybe they can go in and get one of their lesser starters. Um, who knows? Um, but, yeah. Um, I'm looking across at the Mets, too, man. I mean, can anything more happen to them? Syndergaard goes down this week. I, I mean, what – like, <laughs> I just – I'm, like, at a loss for words with how that organization is run. Every year, it's just like you get the wind knocked out of you. Like, just you—you you don't even know what to say um, at the at a, at a point where it's just like they—they nothing goes right for them ever. I mean, since they the last time they went to the World Series, it seems like nothing's gone right. Um, but yeah, well, um, you want to talk about a little Hicks versus Frazier talk? Um, I personally would like to. I think we could get into that. Uh, just a little bit, because you know what, at the sports calendar right now, the NBA is obviously the focal point, but that's going away soon, and you can kind of talk about roster decisions going on on certain teams, and I mean, Aaron Boone gave a very strong vote of confidence to Aaron Hicks, despite his recent struggles, and, and you know, uh, conversely, Clint Frazier just tearing up AAA to the point where it's almost useless having him there, but he said Aaron Hicks is the center fielder, and um, I don't know, man, uh, you know, I, I've been thinking about it, and you know, you don't want to really – this is, once again, you know, a problem you'd love to have as a fan because there's too many good players and Hicks is fitting in well on a team that's winning a lot of games. But I just feel like his ceiling is what he is. I, I think he – you know, he can do a lot on the field. He is the only true center fielder that the Yankees have right now because I think Gardner's more corner outfielder at this point. You could stick him in center, but you might lose a little defensively, especially with Ellsbury being nowhere in sight. He's not playing center. And Clint Frazier, although based off his athleticism, you could probably play him out there. He's not a natural center fielder. But just from the plate, you know, Clint Frazier was the centerpiece of that Andrew Miller trade. I know Justice Sheffield is the big name as a pitcher, but you never know how pitchers are going to pan out, and the Yankees wouldn't have done that deal without Clint in there. And it's like they give Aaron Hicks every opportunity to succeed despite you know a low batting average, 
and not doing a whole lot more than being, you know, a 240 hitter with a couple home runs and playing a good defense, which is fine on this team. But, it, you know, they traded him for John Ryan. They got him for John Ryan Murphy, who's not even in the Minnesota organization anymore. You traded your premium reliever with two and a half years left of team control for a guy that you're keeping down in AAA. And, you know, you could make a strong case that Frazier should have more of an opportunity to, to showcase himself than even Glaber Torres. Because Glaber they got in a trade that made sense. You had to trade Chapman, who was an impending free agent. So, although Torres has been amazing, and, and he was the crown jewel of that of the Cubs system, you know, Frazier was a big cog in that trade, and a big reason that trade happened. And if I'm Cashman, I would think I'd want to showcase that and show how smart I am and say, listen, I got this guy, took him away from a really good organization, uh, in a trade that didn't necessarily have to happen, but I, I don't know. I, I we're, We both are Clint Frazier fans. I think we both are in agreement that he's probably going to be the centerpiece of a big July trade. But I don't know, man. I, I think Aaron Hicks is – I think Clint Frazier's floor is what Aaron Hicks' ceiling is. Yeah, no. Um, I think that if – I mean, we just watch Hicks hit a double off the wall, but, I mean, one double at every 50 at-bats doesn't really matter. And then he also prom- promptly got thrown out on a ground ball right in front of him. You don't make the fucking first or third out at third, but whatever. Um, yeah, I think that Hicks is obviously better defensively, switch hitter. They like that. They really like the talent. He's got all the tools in the world. I think if there's you know another week or two of him doing nothing and Frazier – playing like he's a major leaguer already in triple a i don't think they're gonna have much of a choice he's definitely a good enough center fielder got a plus arm um and he's still got speed um really good athlete he could definitely play center field every day although i think they'd probably put garden out there and have more of a four outfield rotation set as opposed to what they have now with hicks as the everyday center fielder um and you really can't lose with the decision. The only thing you lose is another left-handed bat because it is, you know, a switch hitter versus a right-handed hitter. Um, but when your switch hitter is hitting 230 and you got a guy coming up that's probably going to hit 270 to right around 300 and have a lot more power, um, I think, you know, you don't really lose much on top of the fact that if he comes up and plays great and you get blown away with an you know, just from having eyes on him with an offer, I mean, then you just put your, the guy you wanted back in there anyways and Hicks until whatever the guy down in AAA or wherever he is. You're talking about Florio? Yeah, yeah. him, until he's ready to go. And then you bring him up. Either way, you really can't lose. I'd really like to see Frazier up playing almost every single day, um, either as a DH or as a fourth outfielder or as a starter. I'd really like to see him play almost every day, and hopefully they do it soon. You know, it's the talk's starting to come up more and more, and you know, so hopefully. Yeah, he's he, you, you hit the nail on the head. I, I mean, I, I really feel like he's getting to that point now where, you know, you're keeping him at AAA for no reason. And, you know, Brandon Drury's down there, and he's obviously a very good major league player. But, but at least there's a reason. There's a reason. Because tearing it up. He's right. leading all rookies in extra yeah, base he's hits. And he's almost hitting 300. Yeah. So no, it's tough. There's a reason why he should be down. At this point, there's no excuse to have Frazier down there. And if Hicks added adds 20 to 30 points to his batting average, so be it. Then keep him down there and maybe trade him or, or whatever. He's still a controlled asset for a little bit of time. But... He's not playing well at all behind the plate. And if 
And if you, it's an old saying in baseball, if you hit, you play. And right now he's not hitting, so I don't really care that he throws 110 miles an hour from, you know, from center field, from, from the wall in center field. Because yeah. if he's if he's hitting that bad, then he needs to be out. I don't care that he's hitting eighth. Right. They, if there wasn't another guy, fine, we can deal with it. He's a defensive center fielder. He dominates defensively, but there is another guy. So yeah, I think Frazier definitely deserves the opportunity to come up. Oh, I I totally agree. And the other thing too is you you made a really interesting uh, point about Hicks being a switch hitter and have that extra lefty bat. Well, you know what. How many dominant how many dominant righties are there that the Yankee right-handed hitters can't hit? Yeah, and, and it's not really out a switch those, hitters league anymore. Right, I, I mean, mean, who You have Verlander, but Hicks doesn't hit Verlander. It's not like Hicks is hitting you There's know, not that many dominant switch Verlander. hitters anymore. You know, you don't have your Mark Teixeira's or your Chipper Jones anymore. People focus on one side of the plate. That's not even really like a thing anymore. Right. And if you have the power of Bird and Didi and the occasional pop of Gardner, and then you have the switch hitting bat of Walker off the bench, you know, that, that serves a purpose. And, and Clint Frazier, you know, they, they, they make a big point about Hicks's on base percentage where I don't know about you, but I look at Hicks kind of the same way. I look at Ellsbury with just a little more pop at this point and in their careers. Injuries. Yeah. But I say, you know what, if you can bat six or seventh and have the plate discipline of a leadoff hitter, I hope for a nine pitch at bat with a walk, maybe a double, and then Gold Glove center field. They're basically the same player. Hicks has a little bit more pop, and he's not getting paid. And he's not getting much. paid nearly as much. And he doesn't get hurt. Well, he got hurt twice last year. But you know what? They, right. When he came back, you know, Ellsbury lost his job again to the point where Ellsbury wasn't even playing in the playoffs. I mean, they love them some Aaron Hicks. They love Aaron Hicks, and I get it. But you know what? When does it get to the point where they should love Clint Frazier? They, a little and more. that's I the agree. thing. And and you know. Hicks, this just might be what Hicks is, and you're going to look back at him and say, oh, he had all the tools, he had this, that, and the other, but you know, he could never just put it together to the point where he was anything more than just a really good fourth outfielder. And Frazier's going to be a guy who you're going to look back on, and because of the talent on the team, it might not be too bad of a loss, but wherever he goes, you know he's going to be great, and he is going to be one of the few prospects where you look at if he's dealt and say, oh, man, we should have had him. Because the, some of the other guys, you know, Dustin Fowler and Mateo and Blake Rutherford, they might turn out to be very good players, but you knew there was no chance of them playing on the Major League roster. Frazier is a little bit different than that. And like I said, this is... He's ready right now. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. And he's if he keeps hitting around 400 in the minor leagues, he's going to force their hand. They're either going to have to deal him or he's going to have to play. He cannot be down there hitting, you know, 400 where if you that translates to, what, 300 in the, in the majors? Oh, yeah. He's you a major know? league player right now, talent-wise. And we saw flashes of it last year. He had, a, he had a walk-off homer against the Brewers. He had some other big moments. He plays the game really hard. He's a guy that you look at, and with all the young talent that Cashman has acquired or developed and have brought up to the major league roster, I mean, and Duhar had his question marks. He wouldn't be playing right now, obviously, if Drury didn't have his migraine issues. But... I mean, wow, he has looked great, and even in the field, too. And Glaber has done everything and more that you could have possibly expected them him to do when they made the call-up. You've had Judge, you've had Bird. Yeah, you mentioned earlier, you know, they make, they make errors, but, I mean, that's just being young and being a rookie. But, yeah, no, you're rattling off all the prospects, and this team, man, if they can just figure out the starting pitching, they're going to be good for the next 10 years. It's really exciting. We're arguing about stupid problems that the Mets fans would would murder all of us to have. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, 
But yeah, I I mean, just watching Batanzas pitch right now. Uh, don't get me started with him. <laughs> Hope maybe they could deal him for a bag of baseball somewhere. Um, but yeah, I I think, you know, to put a bow on that, a week or a week or two more of you know Frazier doing what he's doing, and on the other end, Hicks not doing what he should be doing. They really they need to bring it. They need to bring him up. Oh yeah, yeah. no doubt. And uh, we'll see what happens with the roster. Um. Yeah, and it's a you know it's a really good problem to have, uh, obviously. So that kind of puts a bow on it, as you said about baseball. But there's one little thing as a uh, one little noteworthy news for a local New York football team. Um, Robbie Anderson was cleared of all charges. So yeah, why don't why don't you go? Because you wanted to talk about this. You sent me the <laughs> you sent me the screenshot. You sent me the article. So go. This isn't a news story. It happened a couple of weeks ago, but. You know, if I was a better producer, I'd figure out how to insert the quibble. Oh, he'll never play another down with the Jets again. Uh, da, 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 da. Well, guess what? All the fucking charges were dropped, okay? I, you're sitting here looking at me. The NFL, I, I'm not saying, I'm not supporting what Robbie Anderson did. He's probably a bad guy. But there's plenty of bad guys that I want to be on my football team because I want to fucking win. I don't want them to be teaching my children that I don't even have to be doing to be you know to how to how to become adults. I don't want them to be in positions of political power. But what I want Robbie Anderson running a fucking skinny post. I'll tell you that right now. And the NFL has screwed up suspensions all around. They are not going to suspend him because they don't have any proof around it. Let me tell you this: Greg Hardy got suspended what one game. Ray Rice wasn't going to get suspended until the tapes got leaked. The tapes that the NFL had already seen. Do you know how many games Tom Brady got suspended for for deflating fucking football? I believe that was four. So they still haven't gotten this right. It happened at the perfect time for Robbie Anderson because it happened right in the middle of the summer. So it's like, you know, not right before the season. So it's all going to blow over. And what? Maybe he gets suspended a game? Maybe. I think I think honestly, if you were to ask me, if the charges get dropped, I think that the that maybe the Jets either suspend him to avo- to avoid the NFL coming down on him the first half of the first game of the season, or the NFL suspends him one game, one game. I was and saying you said that he would never play it down again well, for the Jets. Correct. Thank because God. it didn't have anything to do with the NFL's inadequacy to make a decision. So this is just, you're blaming the, the judicial system? No. I, Florida I, or wherever. I'm not at all. What I'm trying to say, if you let me freaking talk, is the fact that the Jets could still release him if they so choose. They're not going to release him. Well, but my whole point was, if the charges were, were you know, validated... Then they then they release him. You were I adamant. Said I was. You were I didn't adamant say that the NFL. I didn't say another play team down would a football him. for the Jets again. Correct. Correct. He will. Well, we'll 100%. see. We got plenty of time in the early summer. And you know what? If he does, congratulations. Enjoy your skinny posts routes on a four win team. That's fine. That's fine. Because you know what? You know who's going to be throwing them those? Our quarterback of the fucking future. Eli Manning's, they already had the, they're fitting him for the fucking wheelchair. They're fitting Eli Manning for the wheelchair right now as we speak. Enjoy Geno Smith. I already have. Oh, he's not on the team. Uh, (laughs) So you don't have to worry about that. Uh, Davis Webb, maybe. Um, I will believe that the Jets develop their future franchise quarterback when I see it. I do believe that this is the right move. But in the interest of banter and still a little bitterness over the Giants not taking him, 
uh, I will say the Jets will find a way to mess it up, just like the Mets find a way to mess Side up their Side note, before we pitching. go, um, I, I saw, and I'm sure you did too, Barkley threw out the first pitch <laughs> at oh a Yankee God. game, and his one of his legs looked like my entire body. Dude. He, he might not even – he probably wore shorts that game because he can't even wear pants. It, there's a very good chance. Does anybody gets, anybody listening, get a chance to look at Saquon Barkley throwing out the first pitch at the Yankee game on what, Tuesday night. That was absolutely insane. Yeah, to the four listeners that we have. All right, well, it's getting into, That'll the, dog, be it's getting into the dog days of summer now, so we're going to be talking a lot more baseball, boring a lot of people to death. And you know we'll maybe find we'll go other, outside. We'll find some other we'll go outside to the about. box and we'll talk about a few more things. Um, I'm excited for Game Two of the NBA Finals. Um, game One was really tough, but you know I, we already put out our predictions. So yeah, Game Two of the NBA Finals coming up um, Sunday, Sunday night at eight. Sunday. So yeah, we got that and pretty much baseball, um, World Cup soccer coming up. Oh, can't wait! I can't wait either. Um, all right, so talk to you later. Take care.